Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Michael, what am I going to do? About what? Shit's Creek is going to be over after season six. I know. It is the most bittersweet thing. I am very, very happy that they get to end the show when they choose. Right. And I always prefer that. Yeah. One of my favorite shows of all time ever is called Slings and Arrows, and it is also out of Canada. Right. I remember you talk about this. Oh my God, I love like, it. Have to it watch takes it. place at a Shakespeare festival. I'm obsessed. They did three seasons. They did six episodes a season. They asked them too. They were like, do you guys want to come back? Like revive it? Like, because all these shows are being revived. And all of them were like, we would love to come back and do this together. Like we're all on board, but like the story is finished. Yeah. Like we're not going to retread that. Yeah. And I just love that. And it yeah. makes that piece whole and beautiful. And yeah, perfect. I think some seasons of television shows just stretch on to artistically have the choice to be like, we had a vision. We've seen that vision through to its end. And now we're done. And we want to go out feeling like we've accomplished everything we set out to do is a pretty admirable thing. Because I feel like a lot of the times it's like, well, how can we squeeze another dime out of this? I know. You know cash cow. I know. But yeah. I so deeply trust that show, Ships Creek, to just give us the most wonderful, like, end to that story. Yeah. And I'm I have no idea what it could be, but I can't wait for what it is. Right. And um, but I fully trust them. I feel like the same can be said about like Parks and Rec. I feel like that was like an artistic choice to be like. Okay, we're we're good. We've hit our we've hit our point that we yeah. wanted to hit, um, and we're not going to just like continue to make like pump seasons out. Like this is where we want this to end, and you know, there's a few shows that are definitely like that, and yeah. I do really appreciate that because then you have some wonderful shows that are so short lived and don't get that experience, and then you have shows that decide well, let's be revived by Netflix, like Arrested Development. Like the oh, first yeah. three seasons of that are a gem. And then Netflix is like, let's do some more. 
And I just feel like it's not as good as it could be. But it's still funny. What's the show that um you're very, very happy to see never come back? Mm. Do you have one locked and loaded? Scandal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess that is probably. It just, it just was like. It just stretched beyond all belief ever. Yes. Yeah. It did. I'd imagine that how to get away with murder is probably like edging towards that. Um, I dip in and out of that occasionally. Yeah. And the stakes are so high. And I do kind of love it. Mm, okay. So it's still working for me a little bit. <laughs> scandal. <laughs> yeah. Scandal. I'm looking for adventure, wanna follow on the trail Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky, don't wake the sun There's so much to be done, and the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real, you can feel You can open your eyes and open your heart when you gaze at the National Park. At the National Park. At the National Park. Follow you, I'll follow you there. Welcome to Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. Today, we are talking about our last day in Moab, Utah, when we went to Canyonlands National Park. After we had already spent half a day in Arches National Park. Yeah, we spent half a day. We spent half a day. We spent it. Arches National Park. <laughs> Arches. We did, and we had hiked Delicate Arch and walked through Park Avenue. That's right. Corrections Corner. Grand Avenue. Right. Um, which is what we incorrectly said yeah. last time. Uh, we really were there, actually. Yeah. We just sometimes we get the names of trails wrong because we're only human. We're only human, and it's really, it's actually kind of easy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So just like Smoky is a weird spelling. Smoky is a weird spelling. Mm-hmm. Things we've learned. Smoky Mountains. Arches and Canyonlands are literally like across the highway from each other. Sure. You know, they are stones throw in like the grand scheme of like distance. Competing, you know, video rental stores. So we left Blockbuster because we couldn't find True Lies and we went down the street to Hollywood Video Video and (laughs) and hoped that that True Lies was there, you know? Right. So, and we searched. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see Jamie Lee Curtis do that dance. Yes. So that I could learn the moves to do myself. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. To Britney Spears' Oops, I Did It Again. Yeah, let's be real. Yeah. Let's be real about what the, mm-hmm. the reality of the situation mm-hmm. yeah, is I know. for the two of us. I see. So here's some information about Canyonlands National Park. It is located in the southeastern corner of Utah. It is right next door to Arches National Park, but it is also literally next door to Dead Horse State Park, Capitol Reef, National Park is not too far away either. It is very close to Moab, which is where we stayed. It's this little town that you can access both of those parks really easily. What a quiet village. Yes. Every day? 
like the one before. <laughs> so Canyonlands was established in September of 1964. So she's a Virgo. She's a Virgo. And it makes sense. All that earth. It's just like Full of earth. earth soins. We can kind of distinguish and break up Canyonlands into four sections. Um, you have Islands in the Sky, which is what we hiked when we were in Canyonlands. Um, there's the Needles District, there is the Maze, and then there's the Rivers District. We got a lot of our information from our Airbnb host. We did. We asked her which section we should look into. We had thought about like venturing down into the Needles because right. we thought that that was... There were a decent amount of hikes there, I lots feel Lots like. of hikes because we wanted to get on foot. What we quickly realized was that Canyonlands is more of a like drive and look. There's some stuff to do on foot and maybe a little more stuff to do on foot than in Arches. But the reason it is more so a drive and look is because it's there's gigantic. so <laughs> much driving. Right. Because it's so enormous. Right. We scratched the surface when we were there. Um, you know, Islands in the Sky is like a manageable portion of the park. There are a decent amount of hikes there. Um, but we just like barely scratched the surface of the park itself. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of miles of park right. is what you're um, dealing with. Yeah, it's 527 square miles. Yeah, which is about um, 337,598 acres. That's big. That's big. That's real big. She had told us Needles was actually a section that we should do the next time we come to Canyonlands and that we should do Islands in the Sky first. Right. And that it was a little more of exactly what we were looking for, right. which and is like doing some driving and looking, but also getting out on our feet and hiking around and getting up close to some stuff. And I think it's like much more accessible because what we quickly found out too is that needles, like you have to drive down the highway and then you basically, and we saw this on our way out of Canyonlands or out of Moab the following day, you have to drive down the highway and then there's a turnoff for the needle section and you have to drive in like how far, like a hundred miles before you even get to like your first available hike, something right. crazy like that. It is that big. Yeah, it's it is really, really big. big. And there's no <laughs> way to get to the needle section from the islands in the sky section mm -mm. because there's only like one road that goes into the islands in the sky section from the top. And you're again, you're on a mesa again. We and were on top of a mesa yeah. and then you got to go back out to that main highway and go down like the outside. Back towards Moab and then... Past Moab and go south of Moab. Yeah. And then you turn west to go... Into. Into the park again. Yeah. But you have to go further out this time. The park's not as close from this area. Yeah. That will take you into the needle section. But it's not direct. You kind of have to go like up and then down again and it's just like that's the only road yeah. so that's your only option so she said it would be a lot of time driving and not being in the park if we went to needles yeah so we should go to islands in the sky there was a ton to see so that is what we decided to do and with that let's take a break it's time for a game so canyon land sounds very much like a theme park where one could ride all sorts of attractions based on a canyon. Tell me what your natural geological themed park would be named and what its biggest attraction would be. 
Great. Why don't you answer this first? Time? Oh, I see. You're throwing it back to me. I recently read an article um, about a cave in Vietnam that is so large that it has its own atmosphere. Like there are actually clouds that roll through this cave. There are like plants, fauna, like it's gigantic. So I feel like I would have, my park would be called Caveland. Um, and it would have a giant stalactite that would be draped from the ceiling that would actually have a natural staircase carved in it so that you could actually climb to the roof of the cave. Wow. Yeah, I think that would be Caveland. Mine is inspired by something that happened in a small Mississippi town that my mom used to live in. Mm -hmm. Mine would be called Sinkhole Land. Oh. Because sinkholes are a real thing. Yeah, they are. There was a car dealership that was right near the sinkhole. Oh, God. And many of their cars just like fell right into the sinkhole. So I would do sinkhole land and to honor that tragedy, I would create some sort of sculpture that all of these like cars had created when they like fell and smashed mm. into each other. So would sinkhole land and cave land be competing parks near each other? Like um, arches and canyon lands? I think that sinkhole land would be like people can't believe that it's true mm. and they have to come and see this oh, nonsense. So it's like a roadside sort of it's attraction. It's like a roadside attraction. And yours is like a proper, like lovely thing that people like pilgrimage to, mm. you know, to see. We'd spent most of our early morning in arches. We, like Dusty had said at the beginning, had done our hike out to Delicate Arch. We had seen some of the other arches that were there and then also made our way through Park Avenue before we, we zipped on out. And just like most days, we packed a lot of snackage with us so that we didn't necessarily have to stop hiking in the middle of the day to find sustenance. Um, when we were driving out towards Canyonlands, we definitely made a stop at this like outpost, like general store, right? Gas station that had like basically like where we parked like a gigantic signboard that had like all wooden signs painted with like different cities and their mileage from that point. And um, why did we stop there? Because Dusty needed a Diet Coke, but you know. This is a running theme here. I don't think that's true. Mm -hmm. I, I think say it's with true. full knowledge of, <laughs> of things that are false. <laughs> of things that are false. Um, yes, Miss Diet Coke over here. Um, I feel like there's a game somewhere where it's somewhere. like, you know, a Sophie's Choice. Things I'm working on. Yeah, things I'm working I know, on I know, on. I know. I've had significantly less this week. You have, you've cut back. Hugely. Hugely. So we go to this this little general store and then we, we make the turn off for Canyonlands. Yeah. And you turned in to Canyonlands and I remember it was a pretty like, it wasn't as windy on the way up as it was going into Arches. Like I remember like you kind of turned off the road, you like had a gradual incline and then it was like a pretty straight shot I feel like up. Um, and yeah. so you were on top of that Mesa. Um, and, and then you, once you drove you were for a little there, while. It was totally flat. Yeah. It was amazing. And you drove for a little while before you hit that ranger station, which is what we ended up um, stopping at to get our map and get a little bit of information from the ranger. When we had pulled into the Arches Visitor Center the first time on our first day, we actually, they had sold Canyonlands patches Badges, yeah. in there. So we got our patches there. And then. When we pulled up to the Canyonlands Ranger Station, we'd asked for a map there and some suggestions as to what to do. Right. And the ranger gave us some thoughts. And because we already had patches, we didn't even go into the 
islands in the sky visitor center. We just kept driving. Yeah. Yeah. So we ended up driving in and we made our first stop at Mesa Arch, which is a pretty like it's like the most yeah. famous thing that gets photographed yeah. at Canyonlands most of the time. Yeah. Now, the reason they call this area Islands in the Sky is from atop this mesa that you are on, when you look out, there's just like so many enormous canyons that are connected with like pieces of earth that just look like islands. Or like other mesas or coming other up from mesas the canyon. Coming up from the canyon that look like they are floating right. in the sky. Yeah. And that is where you get islands in the sky from. It is the largest, one of the largest things I've ever seen. Like, yeah, it's incredibly so vast. Things. Yeah. Now, that all being said, Mesa Arch, which is this arch that's right at the edge of this this cliff, basically. cliff face yeah. of islands in the sky, looks enormous. Like, it looks gigantic in every photo that you see. But really, it's like, I don't know, 10 feet wide, maybe? Maybe 10 feet wide. I don't know about that. It is pretty long, but it's not as tall as one would, like, I think, suspect no, it to be. Yeah. But I mean, it was sort of, to me, the equivalent of, like, seeing what you think is a really large art piece, but it's actually not really that big. Yeah, yeah. So. Definitely. But you but can it does, definitely take photos yeah. from, you know, underneath it. And you can see the horizon. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people and do. And it does create, like, a really kind of picturesque window out into the rest of the park, which is really beautiful um and it was yeah. a really clear beautiful day as we had said in our second arches episode it was a stark ca- contrast to the gray day we had had the first day when we were in the moab area so it was it was beautiful and this is not a difficult trail it's about a 0.6 mile loop so it's only about oh, a half mile to the mesa arch mm-hmm. oh, and then yeah. back to the car so it's kind of like a no-brainer. It's hardly even a thing. Yeah. It's hard to even call it a trail. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is sandy. Um, it's really like you park and then you're. it's not that far out to the arch and then back. You kind of loop it. That was our first stop. Um, there's also one thing that a lot of parks have that I feel like we took more advantage of here um, is they had like kind of pull-offs and overlooks that oh, we did yeah. a lot. There were two that we definitely stopped at during our you know length of the trip so there was um the schaefer canyon overlook is one that we definitely took a peek at um i think on our way back out of the park um but there were other i think the hoff hoffman overlook um was another um that is something that you know you could definitely pull off and take a peek at you know on your way in or out and i think we tried to do most of those on our outward bound sort of trip there. We really wanted to hike a much lengthier hike. So in looking at the map, there was really one long, pretty long hike in the area. And it centered around what was called Upheaval Dome. And Upheaval Dome is a gigantic crater, which was formed by, I believe, a meteorite crash hundreds of thousands of years ago. The hike that we ended up on was called the Syncline Loop. And it was an eight-mile hike or right around that crater of Upheaval Dome. Because that mesa was so huge, like you forget you're on top of it. Yeah. Like it just felt like... It just felt like level earth. Like level you were earth like again. sea level. Yeah. Right. But you weren't. No, because you can't see off the edge. No. Yeah. And that was the other scary thing. Is yeah. I'm like, we're literally on top of this thing. And like, I don't know, like you could like run off at any point in time. Now, 
on top of that mesa, there is a pull-off to go to this Dead Horse State Park, which is an entire state park that is outside of of Canyonlands, but I believe still on top of that mesa. Right, it was. So... And you could get there, but this you, was before the ranger station, though. right before the ranger station. Yeah, I feel like there was an entrance fee there. I believe yeah, there yeah. was. We had made the decision to go hike around the upheaval dome on the sinkline loop. We made our way to what essentially became a fork in the road. We could either go left or we could go right. And if you went right, that's what would take you to the upheaval dome trailhead. Mm-hmm. This was an eight mile loop. And you were like, let's do it. And I was like, girl, I am tired. Are you sure we want to do this? And you were like, "Uh uh-huh. I am very sure I want to do this right now. And I was like, all right, okay. All right, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. I'm going to rally and we're going to do it. I was like, oh, I don't don't know if there's going to be parking. I mean, I was just finding everything because I was just (laughs) exhausted. Right. We make it to the parking lot of the upheaval dome trailhead like campground area mm-hmm. and there was plenty of parking and you were like okay that's time our good old friend pit toilet was there yep our yep. good friend pit toilet we said hello to that girl <laughs> and then we made our way out into the trailhead right this hike was technically labeled strenuous right which we'll put her on the the karen stone scale at the end of the episode yeah but I was a little trepidatious about this hike because I was like, we have already done Delicate Arch today, which isn't terribly hard, but it was right. still like a lot of energy. Like, do I have the energy to do this today? Yeah. Overall, I would say I, I didn't find it to be terribly strenuous. No. I believe somebody who was coming back when we were going in was like, oh yeah, we made it all the way around. And then it's kind of up and down when you get onto the other side of the loop, yeah. like across the way. Yeah. But it's all worth it. Yeah. I was like, okay, all right, great. But I think before we actually got on the Syncline Loop is we actually, there is an, a mile hike out to a point on the crater and that is called the um, upheaval dome trail. And so we took that out. There's two overlooks that you can see there. There's the first overlook and the second overlook. And we went out to that first, which was only like a mile out. Right. So and like that's those... kind of like your trailhead starter. And it's basically like at the trailhead, it's like a trident. And like we went up the middle part of the trident for the, those two overlooks first. Those were super cool. Yeah. And I really liked those. And that was like a really good way to kind of like get a glimpse of the crater at first before looping back and doing this. Because I would say at this point, it's early afternoon, probably like around one o'clock that we're there. So daylight savings time had already happened. We still had a lot of light left within us. And that was, you know, an uphill climb, that Mm -hmm. one mile thing. And like you did make it to the top. It was like, it was like you were standing on top of the world. All the islands in the sky are all over... (laughs) around that like beyond that crater are all these other things that are just huge we turn around and we go back down that one mile trail Mm -hmm. and then we head to the right to start this loop trail yeah I remember like it was like up and down, sandy, deserty kind of trail terrain for a little while then we got to this one area that had like this giant giant boulder that was like hanging over the edge of this canyon. And if you wanted to, you could go up on it and walk down it. Do you remember yeah. this? 
I loved this. I mean, my fear of heights was a little triggered, mm-hmm. but it wasn't too bad because there was a lot of space there. Yeah. So we went down there and we took a lot of pictures. And then we came back and then we had to go down a, l- a few switchbacks. We ran into some people right around there on the trail right there. Right. There were some um, older folks that were, I think, New Yorkers. So we got to talking to them about just like, oh, where are you from? Like, I mean, this is a very common like thing. I feel like that happens on the trail. The like, time. hi, how are you? Like, how were you traveling from? And so then like, you know, if you're from the tri-state, it's like, oh my God, you know, because we live on top of each other out here on exactly. the East Coast and out West, it's like a totally different world of like, oh, here's a town and okay, go 100 miles and there's your next town. It's just like sparse and spread out. So, you know, here it's like, okay, we can just like talk like we're neighbors. Even and though I we're remember that they had hiking poles mm-hmm. and I really wanted hiking poles yeah. in that moment. That was your love affair. It started there. I remember we made our way down those switchbacks and then we were looking and we were like, which way do we go? Yeah. Like we couldn't really see. And what was like marking the trails? I think it was Karen's. I'm pretty sure it was Karen's along that trail. We get down to the bottom of these switchbacks and I'm looking out and I'm like, I'm not seeing these Karen's anywhere. And finally, like way off in the distance, we see one and we were like, Oh, there it is. We have to go that way. Yeah. And we didn't think we would have to go that no. way. But we did. And then that led us to going around this boulder that was literally like at the corner of the edge of this, you know, canyon crater. There was this like old, old railing around this boulder to yeah. keep you inside. Yeah. I think I took out my phone to take one quick photo and yeah. like threw it back in my bag. And I was like, I'm not. And by that, I mean, I carefully placed it back in my bag because I did not want it to fall. Yeah. And then we made our way around and then we sort of found our way back to the edge of this canyon. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like we, I feel like this is one of those times where we really kept pretty quiet. Like we talked a little bit. But I feel like we were also just like kind of in like one of those times where we just both zoned into being in nature and like were very just like kind of peaceful. And I think it was also probably the fact that we were just tired from the day. And with that, let's take another break. Welcome to Drag Queen Corner. And who's I'm your the, host, Smokey McGee over here. Who's in the... Um, I got my scratchy voice. <laughs> who's in the uh, the corner today? Who's Mike? in the corner today? Who's wearing that dunce hat today? Exactly. Mama, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everyone in between, please welcome to the stage, Miss Ariel View. Miss Ariel View. In honor of Canyonlands and all that the eye can see. Miss Ariel all of View. The panorama shots That's that right. one should totally take yeah. in Canyonlands. Oh yeah. Miss Ariel Miss View is Ariel serving View. you some, you know, some photog realness here. Yes, she is. I feel like Ariel View is an aerial dancer. Mm-hmm. And she does it with like aerial silks. Mm. Like she's a drag queen that is aerial silk dancing okay in front of panorama images of the southwest okay see i feel like she has like very specific outfits i like where you're coming at this with her mm-hmm. aerial um, acrobatics yeah 
Um, I feel like she also, her outfits double as parachutes and like she parachutes in and her out- parachute changes into her outfit. Like it oh. fully like reveals into a full length ball gown. Oh, I like, like that. Uh, you know, she could even drop from her aerial silk and that could unwrap into like a beautiful leotard swimsuit totally. combination. She has worked really hard to distance herself from being compared to the Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. There's no nothing about her look looks like Ariel the Little Mermaid. There's mm-hmm. nothing about her that does. Long flowing hair, lots of like flowy fabrics. I feel like she has like a very intense sleeve of feathers, like a feather tattoos, like all down her one arm. Does the performer have that? Or does Ariel view the character have that? Mm. The sleeve of tattoos. I feel like um, Ariel view the character. So how does that performer get it? Is that through like a like a like a nude like um, pantyhose type I situation? Think it is, yeah, that that aerial view mm-hmm. dawns every time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like that like really speaks to her like character of being of the ether, being of the you know the wind, being of the element of the air. Yes. I'm just like feeling all my air signness over here. You are, yes, you are. (laughs) What is her like finale aerial performance song? Um, that's a great question. I do feel like she sings that Bed Midler song from Beaches. Um, the Wind Beneath My Wings. The Wing. Wind Beneath That's my a wings. little on the nose scroll. Yeah. I think we can come up with something <laughs> a little bit stronger than that. Okay. Um, I was gonna say... That's like for her somber performances. No, I feel like her somber performances is the Dolly Parton cover of Bob Dylan's Blowing in the Wind. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like that is her like finale moment mm. of of the aerial view performance. Mm. I also sort of would imagine that she would perform like with the audience on all sides. Oh yeah. It's a circular so stage. that it is literally an aerial view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Inspiring an aerial view. Yeah. So ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between, please welcome to the arena this aerial, aerial view. view. So we can, you know, really continue walking around this crater, this upheaval dome. And I think, you know, we hadn't been to Grand Canyon yet, but I feel like this was kind of like a nice prelude for that in that it was like, hey, you're walking around the rim of something. And like, here it is. You're just seeing the same thing over and over again as you walk around. Yeah. And we were seeing it from various angles. I mean, it's freaking gigantic. It is. Like, and it's and it was beautiful. Right. Like and if you fell in, you would tumble for a long time down. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like sheer walls. But I wasn't um as someone afraid of heights, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't triggered no. by really. Any you weren't of doomed if you like went over the edge of it. It was think. a little up and down and up and down on the opposite side, just like that yeah. guy had said. Yeah. I do feel like there was no one. There like, was no we one. We really didn't run there into anybody. There were two older gentlemen who had gone... The other way. They were the coming other the other way. way. Yeah. And then we did pass by yes, them yeah. as they were coming our way. But that was really it. And there was nobody else there. Oh, no. And I feel like for some reason, one of us didn't bring a bag. Or like we didn't have our bags with us. We're like, oh, oh it's only right. eight miles. And I don't really feel like carrying a bag right now. Like... 
we like hiked out to, I think, I know we didn't carry bags for Mesa Arch. We're like, oh, well, this no, is 0.6 miles. Nothing. And I think we're like, okay, well, I think we had only intended to go and do the upheaval dome one mile. And we're like, let's do this eight miles. And I don't think we went back to the car, which was silly. That was like dumb. That was really silly. Um, but but whatever. It, whatever. But I do remember like finishing up and like, racing to the car and being like, I need Starving. all the cliff bars. Give me, give me the water. Give me everything. Absolutely like everything. hungry, hungry hippos over here coming to the car. Going to gobble up your white I balls. I remember getting to the, mm, the section that finally like, you know, completed the loop. Yeah. And then you have to turn off to go back to the parking lot, yeah. which was still like a half mile. Yeah. Like walk. And yeah, there was, I was running to the car because yeah. I was like, there are cliff bars in that car. Yeah, I know. And I want those cliff bars. I want them. I want them cliff bars. So we definitely like hung out at the car for a little bit post, post hike and just like chilled there before we, we even got back in the car. And at that point I was ready to go. Yeah. I was fully ready to go. Yeah. I think we both kind of were at that point where we were close to our wall but there was and, one and other thing. And then we thing. started driving out and you were like... There's Whale Rock. There's Whale Rock. Can't it's we go to that? Right and there. I was like, we can, we can pull up to it and... Assess how we feel. See how we feel. That was me compromising. I know. And bargaining. Yeah. So yeah, we pull up to Whale Rock. And I noticed that there were people on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that intrigued me enough to be like, okay, well, let's just do it. And it was pretty tall, too. I wanted too. to get up there and do it. Yeah. Canyonlands gave us some of what Devil's Garden served us. Oh, yeah, definitely. In a lot of ways. And I feel like we got most of that for Whale Rock because Whale Rock was like a solve an adventure. And I believe there were some Karen. I believe there were Karens that marked like there were. The, like the, the kind of the steps you had to take to get up. I just remember getting to the top of Whale Rock. All of this just reminds me of the Britney Spears music video. I'm not a girl, not yet a right. woman. And I feel like you pulled that up on your phone. I did. I pulled it up on my phone and then like played it, played it and filmed like you like doing a spin or something mm-hmm. up, up top and yeah. imagined that it was playing in the background. Yeah. I know the wonders of technology and I think just being gay and, and pre Instagram stories yes. <laughs> in the early aughts. It wasn't really even the early aughts at that point, but no, very few people were at Whale Rock. I feel like we saw the people as we were, they were coming down as we were going up and then there really wasn't anybody there else. There were some girls. There was one girl when we were on our way down. Oh yeah. That was coming up and she was like, Oh, how was that? Like, was it good? And we're like, yeah, it was super fun. Like, you should definitely take advantage of this. Like what a great like experience it was to go up there. Yeah. Cause there was definitely like, and I feel like once we got to the top, we had to like kind of traverse, like there were a lot of like little um, drops in the rock, like where there, there was were, like yeah, yeah. Um, crevices in the rock. So we had to like kind of traverse that a little bit. So there were some tricky sections up there, but if you enjoy, it was overall flat. Yeah. But and if, I never felt like I was going to like fall off. The no, side or no, anything. no, 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 no. Because it, it is just like a large boulder that's just like sitting there. A gigantic boulder. That is sort of like the size of a whale. Right. I felt like um, in the never ending story, the giant turtle, whose name I can't remember, was just going to come to life. Oh, right. In the swamps of sadness and then eat uh, a trail's horse, a treo's horse. What was the horse's name? I don't know. But then but then the horse did. He, I know. Stop. Now uh, I'm going to cry. Oh, my God. <laughs> don't bring that up I know, casually it's in the middle of conversation. I know. 
No. A turtle. That moving old on. 20 turtle. Moving on. We finished Whale Rock. We head back down to the car. And then we were like, all right. I think we're done for today yeah. in Canyonlands. We had done like a good like 10 miles just in Canyonlands of hiking, which was like perfect. And it's at this point we're probably close to like four or five o'clock by the time, you know, we had done um, Upheaval Dome and by the time we had done the Syncline Loop and Whale Rock. So I think we were kind of fully had a full, full day of hiking and really just exhausted at this point. So with that, we we kind of meander our way along the roadway in our car back out, stopping at, you know, at least one of those overlooks, which I had mentioned at the beginning to kind of pull off and see some more of the canyons in the distance and, and the islands in the sky. Okay, so let's talk about the Karen Stone scale. This is our way of rating strenuous hikes. I say with air quotes with my fingers right now mm-hmm. because use your imaginations, folks. Strenuous is a word that uh, all of the national parks throw around right and left to describe their hikes, and we have seen this word all over the place. But there's never sort of like a truly a way to rate the difficulty or like the ease or how strenuous ones one strenuous hike is in Mm -hmm. one park to another. So this is sort of our way of trying to bridge that gap between one strenuous and another. Right. So scale of one to 10 on the Karen stone scale, Mm -hmm. what would you give the syncline loop trail? Um, I'm going to say a seven. I feel like it is definitely not like, I didn't feel exhausted by the end of it, but there are a lot of like twist turns and ups and downs that you are going to, you're going to do work. Like it's not anything that you, you can just like, better work. <laughs> yeah, it's not anything you can kind of just avoid the work. Like you have to put the work in there. Um, but it is like a kind of a fascinating look at a, a really large geological feature. Yeah. I would also give it a seven, yeah. which means that it gets 14 Karen stones. Out of 20. Out of 20. Yeah. It's going to take 14 to build that Karen. That's right. So... What about Mesa Arch for you? That's not, that's not even a thing. <laughs> Zero so Karen stones. No, nothing. Not even a, not even a one? It is, it is you have to have a one. It is the trail from the parking lot. It is not a thing. It is a one, folks. It is a one. You can give it a one because there's nothing. Like wh- one does not equal. It's a, a half mile loop. It's a half mile loop, like in the same way that it's like a half mile loop for me to like walk down the street to my neighbor's right, house. Right, but there's more involved in that. I feel like there was some. You were climbing over things. You were doing things. I don't. I don't really remember. I think you can't go zero. Things. How about that? Well, I mean, you can't go one either because one doesn't make a Karen. So to to make a Karen? No, because I'm not giving it a one. <laughs> No parents were can have created. a dream, baby, and you can make a dream come true. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my feeling. On, I mean, do go see Mesa Arch. It's not hard to get out there. <laughs> and what about Whale Rock? Whale Rock, I would give. So, there's definitely a part of Whale Rock where you have to, like, hoist yourself up to the top of that rock. I mean, you there's get like, eased yeah. into it. Yeah. Like, they give you a way to do it. Um... But I would say like a six. Yeah, I was going to say a five. Yeah. Great. So 11 Karen stones. 
Yeah, 11 Karen stones so out yeah, of that one, 20. I'm really, really glad that we did not skip Whale Rock. Me so, too. Thank you. I think if we had more time, I feel like we would have, like our Airbnb host had said, probably have gone to Needles the next day after having spent like a really nice time in Islands in the Sky um, as like a, a nice primer for Canyonlands. I think we got a really nice introduction to it. And there's clearly a million more things to see there. Of course. Yeah. It's time for Jeopardy. Mike, I'm going to start with my category. Today. Beautiful. I'm looking forward to it. The title of my category is called Canyonlands Word Scramble. Great. In this category, I have taken the word Canyonlands, and every one of the answers is a word that can be spelled with the letters of Canyonlands. Beautiful. So you have to guess the word based on the clue. Great. Are you ready? And the available letters that and I have. And the available letters that you have. Wonderful. So, Canyonlands word scramble for 100. This was the occupation that Fran Drescher had in her hit 90s TV sitcom. What is a nanny? Correct. 200. If you have a pot of boiling water, you could cook someone dinner, or you could do this to their face. What is scald? Correct. <laughs> 300. This is the first name of Miss Summer, who sang Last Dance, or... The name of any given mom in the 90s. What is Donna? Correct. For 400. Often something you eat as an appetizer. Some people prefer it tossed. What is a salad? Correct. And finally, the $500 clue. The Shonda Rhimes train wreck you should have stopped watching after season two. What is scandal? Correct. Five for five, everybody. <laughs> five for five. You feel better about yourself? I do. I feel so good about myself. I got so much shade thrown at me for my arches and government category. And I was like... Arky. I'm sorry. Yeah. Did we hear 10 Lords of Leaping? <laughs> Did we hear only 10 I see? Yeah. We did not get the shade done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, right. I have a corrections corner to offer. Oh. Because you said that a government made of seven people could be called a septarchy. And I said that was incorrect. It was a heptarchy. But it's true. Septarchy is a word and it is an option. Beautiful. Um, my category is called Act a Fool in honor of April Fools, which has recently passed. Great. Um, in this category, you will be naming the actor and the movie um, based on the description. Great. Great. Two fools travel to Aspen in order to reunite a suitcase full of cash with a love interest of one of the dynamic dummies. Beheaded birds, blue and orange tuxes, laxatives, and a kidnapping make this caper a stupid romp in 90s film history. I just thought he was really quiet. Um, what is Dumb and Dumber? And who's the actor I'm talking about? You're well. You're talking about Jim Carrey. That's correct. Yeah, great. Act a fool for two hundred. This fool often plays an idiot, whether it is at a Pennsylvania business or in a city whose name means whale's vagina in Spanish. He can be counted on for getting us to laugh or throwing a projectile to kill someone. As his character's name in this film suggests, he must be thick. Oh, my answer was going to be um, Steve Carell. That's correct. In what film? Oh, I don't know. What is Anchorman? Oh. 
Movies I didn't see. Oh. Secrets. I never saw Anchorman. Oh, oh well. That's okay. Active Fool for 300. A fundamental fool in this early 80s comedy, this SNL alum, dum dum, spends some of the film trying to exterminate a whack a mole relative while pretending he still is a nom. Oh my God. Is it Chris Farley? No, that's incorrect. I don't know. It's Bill Murray and Caddyshack. Oh, another movie I never <laughs> saw. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh-huh. All right. Active fool for 400. All right. All right. All right. One of his, one of this fool's earliest roles was in a film that helped to propel the careers of other actors like Parker Posey, Mila Jovovich and Ben Affleck taking place on the last day of school in Austin, Texas. This creepy postgraduate fool utters the line. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older. They stay the same age. Who is Matthew McConaughey in Half-Baked? Incorrect. The first part's correct. The second part is Dazed and Confused. I have seen that movie. (laughs) But I didn't know the answer. For the record, while all of my high school peers were like watching these movies and talking about how like cool they were because they'd seen them, like I was watching... Leslie Ann Warren in Cinderella. <laughs> mm-hmm, that sounds about right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, active fool for 500. This beautiful, funny fool takes a shot at living in the real world after being ejected from her life in Hef's mansion. It's a good thing that she dazzles a motley group of outcast sorority sisters and helps them go from not to hot in this comedy where we learn that the eyes are the nipples of the face. Okay. This movie is ridiculous, and I did see it. And it is, who is Anna Ferris in the house, Bunny? That's correct. What a wonderful film. It is so ridiculous. It is. And Catherine McPhee is in it. Mm-hmm. And Emma Stone is in it. Yes, and um, Kat Dennings. That's right. That's right. It's an all-store cast. Yep. And there we go. And there we go. This has been Gaze at the National Parks, and we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Follow us on Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks, or email us at Gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. This episode was edited by Dustin Ballard. All original artwork on Instagram is by Michael Ryan. All original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman with Mariella Clear. We would also like to acknowledge that while hiking in Canyonlands National Park, that we were on the traditional lands of the Ute Indian tribe. If you enjoyed this episode of Case of the National Parks, leave us a comment, write us a review. We always love hearing your feedback.